My name is Matt Brown. And the payoff. There goes the deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 61. He ties Roger Maris for the American League single season record with 61 home runs. It's a two-run judgian blast. Here comes the judge. <laughs> oh, my God, what a moment. Aaron Judge ties Roger Maris on Wednesday night. Oh, baby, been waiting for that. My favorite baseball player of all time. Actually, you know what? My favorite athlete. That's my dude right there. Congratulations, Aaron. We're so excited for 62. You the man. Now, let's start this show. On to Escobar. And Eduardo punches one through the hole. Base hit. Here comes Lindor. Blade with the front of the plate. Lindor is safe. And the Mets win it. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. It is September 30th, 2022, this final day in September as we are about to hit October. We're about to hit peak fall. We're about to hit the very best month in sports. We're about to hit an intense election season. We're about to have this wonderful season known as autumn upon us. And before we get to it before we have Ramblin' Russ Miller, before I have some nice words about my oldest friend in this world and his fiance, and right before we take you into an incredible episode of this podcast, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube, and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com, and don't forget to check us out in the world of social media, We're on on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Prod Convo Pod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Thank you, Dolo, for the great work you are doing producing that content for this show. My partner in crime with this podcast. So as I said, this is a special Friday edition of this episode, and we have lots to cover because Ramblin' Russ Miller makes his return to this show. As him and I talk a lot of things, all sports pretty much, we talk about his Mets that he loves so much, and they're about to go into the postseason and try to make an impact. Then we are going to talk about the Yankees and what they need to do to make a deep October run. And can these two make his dream come true in having a Subway Series in 2022? I mean, I think that'll be a lot to ask for, but of course, never say never, right? So we get into that. We obviously hit some NFL stuff before we embark on week four in the National Football League. Specifically, we talk about our beloved New York Giants, the potential they have, how exciting it is to have Brian Dayball lead us into hopefully some amazing success and having Joe Shane be a part of that run leading us in the right direction as well and we hear him out as he was at the game on Monday night a tough Monday night loss that I'm still low-key not getting over but it's okay and we're going to uh 
hear his experience and what he expects for the future. Plus, we talk about UConn football, what they have going on, WFAN, and we also make some picks coming into this Sunday. After you hear him and I chat it up for an hour, I also just want to spend a few minutes talking about my oldest friend in this world, recurring guest of this podcast, somebody I did my very first podcast with back in the summer of 2019, a dear, dear friend, and I do not know what I would do without him. He is about to have the best day of his life, him and his amazing fiance, Melissa. They are getting married tomorrow, October 1st. And before I make that epic journey to Rochester, Connecticut, and God knows it, a lot of favors have had to be made on a lot of sacrifices to get to this wedding with how intense my life is right now. And um, I just wanted to say a few words congratulating them and, uh, you know, talking about how incredible this feat they are about to have with each other. Uh, I just want to spend a few minutes with that as we close out the show. But before we get into that and all the lovey-dovey, beautiful words I'm going to embark for all of us, and maybe there's some emotion, of course. But before we get into all of that lovey-dovey stuff, let's talk about football. Let's talk about baseball. Let's get into some awesome sports conversation with rambling russ miller it's your turn once again thanks for coming on here we go this is a very productive conversation ah great to see the local legend in rambling russ miller making his return on the podcast as we go over some nfl some mlb and some college football and other fun things in between so rambling russ miller great to see you again buddy thanks for coming on what's up great to be here with you matt Yes, yes. So like I said, we talked about a year ago, I think just about. I think a lot has changed in this world, in this world of sports, shows growing more. Everything's been good with you otherwise? Everything's great, man. Ready to rock and roll with you today, Matt. Ready to rock and roll on my end as well, Russ. So let's begin. Where do we start? We can start with the New York football giants right now. So, you're a big Giants fan. I believe you're a season ticket holder. That's correct? Yes. All right, all right. My father had seats for a long time. Yep. Look at that, keeping the tradition going. So, Russ, you have to be very excited with what's going on right now. Giants are 2-1. and one. You know, maybe things went a little differently. Maybe they could have a 3-0 and o start. But a tough loss on Monday night. 23 to 16 and you were in the building for that correct uh yes i was uh, i was there at that game yeah all right uh, cool, it cool. was um it was it was a good game you know it was a good game by the Giants. they played they played hard um but uh they came up on the losing end against the backup quarterback Cooper rush people think he's better than Dak. i'm not so sure about that but um that was a winnable game for the Giants. Now they got to see what they do off a loss. We'll see. 
Yes, and they have can still have some momentum against a very struggling Chicago Bears team right now. So I guess the thing we could start with with this new energy. So we're we have begun the Brian Dayball Joe Shane era. People are very impressed with the discipline he's bringing on this team. They are obviously very well coached. And right now, like you said, they are playing some good football and the Monday night game could have gone either way. Now you were, as mentioned, you were at MetLife for this whiteout. Do you feel there's a new air going on in the Giants fan base after a very tough six years since we've last been in the playoffs and just seeing miserable football, going through head coach after head coach, couple GMs as well? Do you think now, especially amongst the Giant fans, that there's really something cooking in the air regarding the uh, Giants franchise? Well, if you recall last year, I thought that uh, the Joe Judge era would end eventually sooner rather than later. That was correct in that assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think with this particular head coach, I think he's got a little bit more to learn. Obviously, he's a rookie head coach. However, it seems that Daniel Jones, in the small sample size as the quarterback, is playing better than uh, he's played in the past. He's definitely playing better, and he's making some big plays, not making as many mistakes. And um, I think, you know, I think the jury's still out. It's a big game. Uh, They're all big when you only play 17 games. But uh, how you come off a loss, you're playing at home again against the Bears, and you're favored again to win. I mean, if there's ever been a must-win early in a guy's coaching career, I think it's – Sunday at MetLife Stadium against the Chicago Bears. So the jury is still out on the coach. He did make a good first impression by beating Tennessee. Going for two, showed a lot of guts in that decision, in my opinion. Look, looks he looks the part. Um, the the two new guys played on Monday night, and number five Thibodeau really didn't make an impact. No, the other guy didn't make an impact. So you know, I'm not ready to give all this anointing oil to these guys yet. Unlike a lot of fans are probably more optimistic. Some are probably less optimistic. I'm staying in the middle right now until I see another few games. But I, I, you know, my opinion is I think I think that he he could be there for a long time. if he you know, I I thought the fourth and four play he made a tactical error, not not asking for a measurement. Um, Forget the fact that his challenge might have been wrong or if he challenged, he might have been wrong. He he only had been left with one timeout. So I could understand why he didn't challenge that play. Plus, he got advice upstairs that told him not to challenge. So I respect that about him. Uh, He made, you know, it's it's a 50-50 call there. He decided not to challenge. The Giants seemed flat-footed anyway on defense. So even if he challenged and they didn't win it, they would have been able to settle the defense down, I thought. Uh, So there was – that was a big possession when it was 13 all. So, you know, but hey, the fact that they're in the games, they were, they, they, they're definitely better culturally wise than they were last two seasons, last six seasons so far. So that, that the future seems to look right. But I mean, Giant fans are down on Daniel Jones, but yet Daniel Jones, the guys played, guys played pretty well. Sticky to Daniel Jones. Some people feel that after this season, Daniel Jones is currently on a walk year, that maybe Joe Shane and Brian Dable may want to get their own quarterback. We have a good, we have an exciting class coming out, whether the Ohio State quarterback and CJ or Bryce Young and Bama. People are 
thinking that maybe they have a future on the Giants. Do you feel the same? Do you think Daniel Jones is returning to the team regardless of his performance? With Jones, I think, yeah. So with Jones, I I think it's going to all depend on how the team does this year. Wins and losses. Do they make the playoffs? Do they come close to making the playoffs? Is there progress? Through three games, two and one, if they get to 10 wins, which is, which is not unheard of. If you look at their, their schedule, um, I think he, I think he could be a, a long-term solution as, as quarterback right now. And let's go, let's go draft some receivers. Let's go draft this. The wide receiver room is right. very, very weak right now, right? Yes. So let's draft some wide receivers. Let's get some more defense. Let's get some more defense. Maybe another offensive lineman, tight end, whatever. The bottom line is I don't think quarterback's the position that's holding this franchise back right now. So I know I'm in the minority, but if the coaching quarterback win 10 games this year, coming off a culture that was losing the last six years, why would you change the quarterback now and start all over? So to me, let's keep the, let's keep the ball moving with the QB that we have. And let's assume that he's going to be our quarterback and hopefully he doesn't walk. Yes. We've, it's been a long time waiting for that franchise quarterback. And you feel that this is the time if to see if Daniel Jones is going to be playing for a long time. I mean, if Brian Dayball can help develop Josh Allen, maybe he could finally be the one to unlock Daniel Jones's pressure. I think this is already his one. The, this is what, this is his third coach already third different offense. I mean, that's a lot. And um, you think that now this um, discipline can finally be the thing that Daniel Jones could unlock his potential. And another question I have too: the other big um, player on offer, Saquon Barkley, 25 years old. Some people may consider that is old for a running back. Hey, 26. Yeah. And um, obviously he's had issues staying on the field, but he's been uh, fine now in the first three games. Do you feel that he has a long-term future of the Giants if he plays well, or do you think if he, plays well that he could be good trade bait for another team some people may consider um do they want to try uh, sorry um do they want to try to do this two running back system um tell me your thoughts well i think uh you know much like the quarterback i mean take once proven through i think he's the second leading rusher in the national football league Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean he's been a great bright spot He, he 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 dominated the first game uh, he's running a lot harder and faster. So you can see it live. I see it with my own eyes uh, the other night. You know, I, I think much like Jones, why would you, I mean, again, unless you're going to get, you know, they're talking a fourth round pick, a third round pick. Why would you bother trading this guy right now? You let him play out the season and then you assess him and, and the quarterback at that time. I mean, that's, that's, Otherwise, you're giving up a year, basically, because now you're going to have a new running back. I mean, the guy's playing the best he's played. So I think uh... – All right. So it looks like we'll pause at the moment. We'll uh... – That um, I would not trade twins. I would not trade Mark. Absolutely not. Yeah, why uh... – trade something good that you might have. You don't want to see him prosper on another team, of course. And certainly not for a fourth round pick. If I'm going to trade him, I'm going to get a first for second round pick at least, Mm -hmm. at least, but who's his backup. Who's the other guy there? Breda. 
Beta? Yeah, Matt Breda. I don't know. I would, I would, I would definitely, I would definitely not trade Barkley, especially if we could could win. You know, if we if we stay in the mix, if we're you know four and four at the buy. I know the trading deadline is November first, so they'd have to make a they'd have to make a move fast on that. But I I would say no. I would say no. If you're asking me right now, I would say don't trade him. No. All right, all right, good stuff. I uh, definitely say might as well test it out and still see what you have. We're still early in the season. It's just about to be October. And let's make a push. So also look at the Giants' future. Giants uh, playing, as we mentioned, playing Chicago. They're at the moment a three-point favorite. They'll be able to cover this and uh, have start three and one in the first four games. Yeah, I think it's a must-win. I think it's a winnable game. Obviously, you're at home again. You don't want to lose two games in a row at home. Uh, and so this is a bounce back week for John, for the Giants, a big test for the head coach, for the quarterback, for the whole franchise. We've played some big games for the franchise in a sense of making a first impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for the new regime, for the new GM, the new head coach, obviously, and, the, and all the coaches. And I think, you know, up until last week, uh, Sunday night, Monday night, I think Wink Martindale has been a, been a big addition. His defense has played very well. Obviously, you're playing against Tennessee and um, Carolina and Dallas with a backup QB. That's why this is very unfortunate they gave up so many points to Dallas. Um, and again, we don't know or yes or no whether we had him stopped on that fourth and four. But moving forward to the Bear game, you, you got to have a, a like your first two weeks. You got to have a winning performance and build off of that. So then when you go to London to play Packers. You can you can have some momentum and some confidence back. So this that's why t- that's why tomorrow that's why Sunday seems like it's tomorrow, right? These weeks fly by. Sunday against the Bears is a really the Bears are, I mean they were picked to finish probably last in their division or close to last. Giants are picked to finish last in their division, right? So those first two wins have Giant fans giddy. To me, I'll be more confident in my head coach and my program and the program we go and watch and support if they beat the bears. It's a big game. They're all big, but this one particularly for getting back some confidence in the moment. Yes. You don't want to lose to a struggling Justin Fields right now, who if he's continuing to play this way, it seems like he won't be able to start uh, next year for any team. So yeah, we have, so as you said, this, after this, we have giants play in, playing the Packers in London. And then you have a, a Ravens team who's look really hot and Lamar Jackson playing like an MVP, but ultimately, and then it switches up again with Jacksonville. Some people think that they really are building something good themselves with Doug Peterson. And then again, you go from play Seattle and then the bye weeks from there. And then you, you return back against Houston and it, it's, it's pretty easy. Then Detroit, and you know i would say easy matt i'd say they're winnable games i wouldn't say easy i don't think anything's going to be easy with this team based on the talent they have on the roster they have a lot of holes um they really do um they have holes so it's going to take time to develop some of their new players so i have to be fair to uh to the to the coach in the GM, they've taken over a team that was rock bottom almost. So, I mean, to, to be fair to them, you want to see progress, right? So, so in the, um, you know, in the next, that's why the next week's important because then you, you know, you're showing that you can beat the winnable games. You're showing that you can win the winnable games. Um, as far as the division goes, the Eagles right now are playing fantastic. 
Okay, the, the commanders are uh, not as good, obviously. In Dallas, it seems like they're, you know, Mike McCarthy made so many mistakes the other night. I mean, that's why I was hoping that we could outcoach Mike McCarthy. It's not hard to do these days. No. You know, the fact that they ran a pass play, they could have run that clock all the way down. I mean, they could have had given the Giants the ball with 10 seconds left if they wanted to. I mean, they just don't have a clue, in my opinion. And the Dallas fans, I think, would even agree that the guy is not the sharpest tool in the shed. But the bottom line is the Giants need to take care of business someday. It's a, it's a big game for them. I know it's game four, long season, right? But it's a, it's a big game for their confidence. And then they could get momentum. And you never know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers That's doesn't right. have the supporting cast he had. The schedule, like I said, winnable games. It seems like the NFC in particular has a lot of winnable games. It's a conference that's definitely weaker than the AFC. And speaking of Jacksonville, you mentioned that game. That That's not going to be an easy task when Peterson comes with his new team back to MetLife. He's done very well against uh, the Giants. Uh, so so that that's not an easy game. What looked like a simple game earlier preseason, you know, Jacksonville's turning heads to uh, Miami. I know we don't. I'm not sure. If, I don't think we play them, but the Miami Dolphins. Um, they're yeah, off Mike McDaniel, their new coach. <laughs> he's 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 a real character. It's, it's you have some braggarites beating McDermott and Bill and Harbaugh in your first three games. That uh, got some praise for the Yale grad right there. And um, he only has a, he made a good first impression down in Miami. That- that's for sure. Uh, he's he's done a hell of a job. They play Thursday night, just yes. to, just to talk current events. They play the um, the Cincinnati Bengals, who beat the Jets, 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 Jets. If you ever need to get back on track, just have a game scheduled with the Jets the next week. You'll typically turn things around. But uh, I do think the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, for those of you that. Uh, Bet a few shekels on games. I think the Miami Dolphins are a live dog on Thursday night. Shocked that they're four-point underdogs. It's almost like somebody knows something, so be careful. <laughs> but it seems like Miami – it seems like that game at work should be a pickup. Uh, but you're getting four-and-a-half points. Uh, uh, that's – I don't know. There's just so much. The NFL is the hardest sport to predict. Week to week, it's been proven over years. Um, but it seems like, you know, Miami, Miami's playing well. So, Absolutely. They, they, they are definitely a, a workhorse in this league so far. And, you know, that's a good transition. I want to ask you about the Jets, you know, from the outside looking in. They have real – they have just absolutely – absolutely messes all over the place. You have players and coaches getting in each other's faces on the sideline. The defense can't stop anyone. Uh, quarterback crisis is taking place. Joe Flacco seems to be behind having his best days behind him. And now we await as a time of this recording, if the Zach Wilson will be starting against Pittsburgh this upcoming week. Do you think that this Rob Sala, Joe Douglas is just another failed experiment for the Jets franchise? Well, Salah hasn't really enamored himself to people and the fans. He's going to keep all the receipts. I mean, what is he going shopping at the grocery store? I mean, this guy's a character. I And I like him. See, see, here's the thing. Defensive coordinator is you're in charge of one unit, right? Mm-hmm. Head coach, you got to take care of the whole organization, so to speak. So, I mean, the early returns, if you will, they might be going a little layaway. Absolutely. And do you think Zach Wilson will be 
a good quarterback in this league. Do you think once he comes back that he has enough skill sets to be the long-term answer for the Jets? I personally don't reckon he's only played 13 games, but of those 13 games, you saw a lot of players who had, um, he was throwing over players heads, throwing to the ground, scrambling a lot. Um, I don't think, this guy from BYU and I can't, what's that conference they play in the, the Mac over there, or I know he didn't Mountain play West. Power, Mountain West. Mountain yeah. West. So didn't play against power five uh, teams. And I think it's really turning into a, uh, a uh, missed opportunity for them. Do you feel the same? Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right on that, but I also think it's not fair to the kid either. I mean, he's, had look at his coaching, right? So I mean, look at the coaching he's got. He's also gotten injured. Um, you know, I think talent-wise, people were excited about him because they saw him play and put up a lot of numbers in college. So again, I I think I'm I'm I I think it's got to fit the system. It's got to fit the profile. You got to stay healthy. You know, Daniel Jones was injured too in his career. So I think the jury's still out on him and it, it may take uh, another coach or a different scheme or a different thing, but he may turn it around. You, you just don't know yet on, on Zach, but uh, yeah, on Zach Wilson. But I, I mean, I, I couldn't really tell you one way or the other. Okay. Okay. And before we switch to baseball, I was wondering what other NFL franchises have been exciting to you besides who we talked about with Miami. You like what the Buffalo Bills are cooking up. They see even though a tough loss against Miami and they did have a lot of people out on their secondary. People like what they have to offer. We mentioned the Eagles already. Um, Russell Wilson seems to not be really connecting in Denver. Uh, the Chargers seem to be having a lot of issues. Uh, the AFC West in general is in a powerhouse, at least throughout the first three weeks. But, you know, just to name a few, what are others, some other NFL? Well, I think I think you got to look at Jacksonville as a team on the up with the new coach there, Doug Peterson. I think he's he's earning his stripes with that team right now. Early on, he's making a good first impression, sort of like Brian Table with the Giants. So you have them you have the Miami new coach you have Jacksonville's new coach I think on the negative side I think the Hackett guy is has done a Hackett job over there in Denver I, mean, I don't yeah. know what his background is if he got the job because he's is he has a dad who was the coach or whatever but I mean he also was the coordinator for Aaron Rodgers last year and the Packers yeah but the Packers you know the Packers are in the decline so to speak but I don't know I think uh I think I mean, if you want a sleeper team to watch out for, sort of like the the Jaguars is maybe the Lions. Dan mm-hmm. Campbell seems to be, but then I think they're, they're what are they wanted to? They just they're scoring points, but they're losing. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of another. Uh, Minnesota's been a disappointment. They were expected to do better, in my opinion, out of the out of the gate. Um, Colts are another one that uh, even though they're able to defeat the Chiefs last well, week. Good, good, good point. Yeah, the Colts are not Matt. Matt Ryan should have retired last year. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he can't move. He's washed up. Uh, I I think the Colts are a team that are fading uh, with that with that quarterback. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a very interesting dynamic. I think Tom Brady may have some distractions off the field. No one's talking about it, but I mean, that's pretty big. You know that the the wife is not staying at the house anymore. So Clearly. I think that could 
could be, I think that could be a detractor for Brady. And I think, you know, I think he made a mistake coming out of retirement personally. And I don't think the team's going to win anyway. Yes. And uh, they've had their issues um, keeping their players on the field as well. Mike Evans got suspended last week. Godwin, you don't know what he's got with his injury problems. No Julio Jones last week. Um, two and one at the moment, but um, I think this will be clearly Brady's last season. And um, you don't really see a championship winning team as some people predicted when it comes to Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. If you want, we could do a prediction for the for this week. Uh, if you want to know what I think about this week's games at all or no. Of course. Yes. Tell me this week, Russ, where can we so get um, some and some so, of wagering? Tell us what um, where we should go. So I would take Miami plus four and a half or four points. I, I think they're getting this week. I would just because it's Thursday night. Uh, so that this will air Friday, but yep. maybe I'm wrong. They'll put me right on the spot. So I would say Miami, but for Sunday, I would, uh, I would take the giants. <laughs> Obviously I'm picking with my heart there, but I would take the giants minus uh, two and a half or three. Um, uh, give me, give me the uh, jets. The jets are playing who this week. The jets the Steelers, are playing right? the Steelers who have had their issues. And, and that game is in Pittsburgh. Yep, and uh, they're missing people. So I would take Parsons and Ward, I would so. I would take Pittsburgh though. I know they're missing people, but that guy's such a good coach. Coming off a loss, he comes home, he wins. So I would t- end up playing the Jets. Yeah, they'll get right. Was- so I would, I would take Pittsburgh in that game. Uh, and then Sunday night football. Who's Sunday night football this week? We have on Sunday night. We have Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Right now, Kansas City is a two-point favorite. The, the Chiefs will win that game and get revenge, I believe, right? Didn't they play in the Super Bowl? Yes, they did. And uh, it's going to be Casey at Tampa. So, literally, the uh, Super Bowl. Can, Casey's still going to win that game. Yep. Holmes beats Brady this time. Yep. I like Kansas City. And then in the Monday night game? Uh, we have the Rams and the 49ers. Right now, San Francisco's favorite at two and a half. Mm. I would take the Rams. Mm. I yes. go against the home teams in the three three national televised games. Thursday night, the road team. Sunday night, the road team. And Monday night, the road team. Let's see how I fare. And, of course, I said Pittsburgh. So I gave you, what, four plays there? Four plays um, right there. Um, who does Jacksonville play this week? Philly. They're going At Philadelphia, Philly. right? Yeah, the return of Je- Philadelphia. Doug Peterson. One o'clock. Yep, I would right. take. I would. I would absolutely take the points in that game. Absolutely, he knows the tendencies of some of those guys still, and I think he's a sharp coach. I would take the. They got to be getting at least a touchdown, right? Yep, minus six and a half for Philly. Oh, it's only six and a half. I'd wait till the line moves up mm-hmm. to seven and a half, and I take them over a touchdown. So you're getting a, basically a, a score, full score. Uh, but Jack, Jacksonville sh- should should play a competitive game. Son. Oh, last but not least, we I'm just curious. You could say this on both the betting perspective and long term. Sure. Right now, New England Patriots at one and two. Um, no Mac Jones. Uh, they've had play, no Jacoby Myers, for instance. Um, do you feel you know, tough losses and uh not holding it down? Do you feel this is the decline of the Bill Belichick Patriots dynasty, and they're playing in Green Bay this week. At this moment, 
They are under not they are nine point five nine and a half underdogs right now. Who's the backup quarterback for New England? Excuse me for not knowing on this. Who, Brian Ho- Brian Hoyer is scheduled to start this week. Okay, and Rodgers is home. Yep, and the Patriots love to you know if they had Jones if they had. You know, I just I, – I actually – I know nine and a half points is a lot of points to give a Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, I don't think they have the personnel to, to play with Green Bay this particular game. I'd be careful. It's not a game I would necessarily bet on because I wouldn't bet against the guy, you know, who pull out every game plan possible on defense. Yeah. So – um, I'd like to know how they've done against Rodgers, how Belichick's done against Rodgers. That would be a stat I'd look at when analyzing a game like this. So if you know that, if you pull that up or not, don't worry about it. But that would be a stat I'd look at. And if Rodgers has done well against Belichick, then Green Bay's the play. If, if, if Belichick, I would never take Belichick plus these points because I don't – I mean, I think they're begging him to take almost 10 points against uh, – with a Hall of Fame coach. And he doesn't play, but, you know – I mean, you got Matt Patricia calling the offensive plays. Joe Judge is involved. I mean, these are two losing head coaches, but as coordinators under Belichick, they have had a winning winning program over the years uh, with Belichick, but uh, he doesn't play. And, you know, Rodgers may – well, Rodgers doesn't have the weapons he had either around him um, like he's had. So, it, it, you know, he – Belichick come up with a game plan where he keeps the ball out of out of uh, Rogers' hands. I mean, he's done it before. He's he's shown as a, a long underdog that he's probably eighty percent in his career as a coach. So um, right. historically, I would I would take the Patriots. Low, you know, this particular week, the Packers could, could crush it. Depends on how their backup QB does for New England, and he doesn't make any mistakes. It could be it could be a close game. Do I think the Packers are a good survivor pick to just win the game? Probably, probably. Yes, and also just to answer your question at a curiosity level, Aaron Rodgers is only one and two against the Patriots and uh, two as a starter. He came in the backup against Green Bay in 06 with, uh, and when Favre was injured at, during a game, according to this at StatMuse. And, yeah, so he hasn't played a lot of against Bill, but a lot has changed, of course. Well, that could help Bill. That's going to help Bill then because he's not really familiar with New England. And, uh, you know, as much as the game's in, in Green Bay, I don't think that really makes a difference for, for this particular year. Packers are not as strong as they've been. Um, you know, if I had it, like I said, I, Packers survive and win, but nine and a half points is a lot of points. That's that's how I'm looking at that game. It is. All right. So you said get, bet the money line on that one if uh, you could get anything. Or take New England plus the points. Plus, mm-hmm. if you get them at ten and a half, even if it goes up, Right. Um, you know, but again, I, I think uh, I think Belichick has a, they got a lot of pride. I mean, they're just a great organization and they're not going to just go out on Green Bay and give up. So they're going to go there with a game plan that he thinks he can win with. And he's a hell of a coach. And I wouldn't underestimate him in this spot. All right. Excellent stuff, Russ. Now let's switch to baseball. First, before we talk about your Mets, I just want to briefly hit on the Yankees who just won their division last night. I've seen on Twitter, obviously, the big story on a whole, Aaron Judge. Definitely, I think he's a shoe in to be an MVP candidate. Um, I mean, he's, he's on the brink of the triple crown, you know, break the all-time American League season record. 
you know, as we're still waiting to hit and hit that 61st home run and then obviously 62 to break the Yankee record. I've seen on Twitter that you feel that Aaron Judge is leaving after this season. Is that correct? <laughs> wow, you do follow me, huh, Matt? Yeah. I, I, and, I've, and I've gotten some feedback from people on that one. Uh, mostly Yankee fans think I'm crazy, but they're either going to pay $60 million, $55 million a year for 10 years, or he's going to be somewhere else, either in San Francisco or potentially in Anaheim or Los Angeles or in uh, – he could be across the river. Uh, or shouldn't say that he could be, uh, in the same, you know, he could be in Flushing, uh, playing for the Mets, which was what I love to see. Now, I think Aaron Judge is a Hulk, is a MVP this year for sure. Uh, he's an outstanding ball player. He, you know, the Red Sox weren't going to give him anything to hit that series at Yankee Stadium last weekend. And Toronto has Toronto, apparently, Toronto apparently doesn't want to be the pitcher. None of those pitchers want to be the guy that gives up the 61st. So he's got his work cut out for him to get 61, in my opinion, believe it or not. I know there's only a week to go here. And uh, what do the Yankees have, seven or eight games left? That's right. That goes uh, Baltimore. I mean, this upcoming week. They play Baltimore this weekend. Um, I know the final weekend is against Texas. And um, I can't think of who they're playing next week, but I could quickly look that up. But as I am doing it, yeah, there's only seven. There's only a week to go left in well, this season. Back back to this year. You know, I think I hope he gets it. Obviously, uh, he's a fan of baseball, and he's happens to be one of my favorite players to watch play. I think he's a tremendous ball player. He had a home run. I was at the Yankee game against the Mets at uh, Yankee Stadium. I went to, mm-hmm. and he hit a shot that left his bat and hit the stands in about two seconds. It was a blast. Yeah. He hit shots. And by the way, on the same note, Pete Alonzo will get to the Mets, obviously, but Pete Alonzo has had a has had an awesome year as well. Yeah, but, broke the uh, single judge season record for the for RBIs. He's clutch. He's been clutch all year. Um, but the Yankees, you know, obviously you'd like to see Judge get that get that out of the way. But if he only has 60 and goes into the playoffs, my understanding is it won't count towards the record, only regular season count. Yeah, which, exactly. Which by the way, the season actually ends on Tuesday, so it's only this weekend, and then um, two games against Texas. Um, for the Yankees, it ends Tuesday. For other teams, it might end Wednesday because the Mets have three with the Nationals the following week. Yes, the that's right. Three. So As some, some teams lockout. end Wednesday. But, yeah, but I think that the Yankees uh, and Judge, you know, clearly, I mean, for the first few months of the season were the best best team by a lot in the American league. And I don't think that should be overlooked on this. While I think judge might not be a Yankee next year. Uh, and there's a good possibility. He won't be if much he loves the Yankees. He'll stay with the Yankees for a little less money probably. But other than that, he'll be, he'll be a free agent. You know, obviously he's a free agent and the, the, uh, the other players make, they go after him out for obvious reasons. He's speaking right now. He's playing the best right now in baseball. <laughs> most feared hitter obviously but you look at the Yankees and he and he's a good fielder too he's an underrated defensive player too um you look at the Yankees and I still think they're going to be in the World Series and um I, I think they have to line up and the the pitching's okay you know I just think they're going to be there I think they have experience you know, experience in being, making the playoffs and you know, I'm certainly rooting for a subway series, so maybe I'm talking with my heart a little bit. I know you're maybe surprised being a Mets fan, but I'd like Buck Showalter to play his former team and get some revenge. <laughs> so, 
Wouldn't that be so I'm staying with justice my, I'm staying with my Mets Yankees. Now, I'm staying with my Mets. You know, the thing with Judge, obviously Yankees are hot right now. They've won eight of their last nine. But we had one of the worst Augusts ever on a historical perspective. And people were angry. People really mad at Cashman and at points Boone. Obviously now when you're winning, it's okay. But say the Yankees have an early exit. And after the uh, aggravation, I mean, Yankee fans have had towards those two. I mean, have you seen in the ceremonies, they're getting booed, whether it's the uh, Jeter ceremony or whatever, right? And I feel that this franchise has to do whatever they can to keep your most popular player. And I think also Judge is the one to sign the contract as well. You'd think on a legacy standpoint, I mean, I get if you you want to go home with stuff, but, you know, he's a he's a special generational player and i would think the yankees would recognize that too and especially for their shortcomings over the past five six years as well you'll really really anger a lot of people and then you're stuck with Stanton and cole as your base of the franchise if you and if you see him go out west it would be a real disaster and i think the yankees have to do whatever they can to provide that if you don't want the years whatever um, but just pay this guy because he's the reason why you're getting sellouts. He's the reason why you're having uh, people go crazy. And if you lose all that, you will. It will take a long time for the Yankees to forgive it. You just gotta hope their players like Volpe or or Jason Dominguez has that. But I, I just don't think those are the type of players with that. Maybe Dominguez, but people think um, his stock went down in the uh, minor so far. So I think the Yankees are going to do whatever they can if they have the common sense to bring Judge back. And if they don't, it's uh, it's you're gonna there's going to be hell to pay. I really believe that. <laughs> and yeah, and as you know, the key is just to be the to go hot into October. It's not necessarily the best teams win. It's the who's hot. I mean, you know, not to bring back bad memories. Like, look at 06. How did the Cardinals at 87 wins with that whole World Series? It's just, it's all momentum-wise, and you need to keep that up. It's who, who plays well. And that's why I think for the Mets being tied, as we, we transition to the Mets talk yep. here, you know, being deadlocked right now, it's deadlocked. We have, you know, um, seven games to go. The Braves have seven games to go. We play the Nationals three times and the Marlins once today. That's four. And then the three with the Braves. Obviously, it's going to most likely come down to Atlanta versus New York uh, this weekend. And and it's at Atlanta. But when you look at the Mets season and how they've done, any time they had big spots, they've, they've come through. Hey, look at their record off a loss. It's, it's tremendous. So I still, obviously, I believe in the Mets. Uh, there's no reason not to. They're going to have their best pitchers going in that series. And I think the Mets uh, are still going to win the division. And I think they're going to go on and play long into October. So, and that has to do with two guys, DeGrom and Scherzer. DeGrom and Scherzer. Uh, and, of course, and of course, if they get that one-run lead heading into the last inning or two-run lead, 
we have the best closer in baseball. And the guy is lights out, Edwin mm-hmm. Diaz. Lights out. Last night, he gave a, a double. I think the guy closed his eyes and swung his bat and landed almost in foul territory. He had a double with two outs in the ninth, the Marlins kid. I did. I mean, they, the guy is pitching. Uh, and he reminds me so much of when Mariano was dominant for the Yankees. So Diaz is solid, the two starting pitchers. And, of course, the players, Lindor's having a good year. Alonzo, McNeil. Nimmo, you have enough in that lineup, especially in the top five, six. Hopefully, McNeil back to the top five in the lineup in the playoffs. And and the Mets, the Mets are legit. Mets are legit, and and we'll see what happens. You know, like you said, anything can happen in baseball. Bounce here, play there, a call by an umpire there that's not overturnable. Whatever, you you know what I mean. You gotta be a little lucky, yeah. but I think I think they're built. Long term, they're definitely built to win. But let's see what we do in these sh- short series, and and we'll, it'll all start with a short series uh, this weekend with with Atlanta. I think it's a huge series. You think they can win two out of three against this hot Atlanta team throughout the entire season? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then when it comes to say they run into the Dodgers, who's been the hot team in in the NLCS, right? That'll be it. That'll be a long series, and it'll be a very good series, and. Uh, I think the the managing matchup is it's believe it or not I know this may irate Dodger fans, but it, it favors Buck. I've seen Dodgers make some super moves and do some things in big spots, and um, I think roster wise it's a it's a push. It's a very close series, uh, so I think the Mets will survive it. And then, yeah, the thing is, you, I believe the home field advantage would go to the Dodgers on a record standpoint. Correct. So you think the key there is that would you say it goes to a seven-game series? Are you pitching Scherzer and DeGrom in four of those games? Yes. Who would you yes. pick to pitch game seven between those Scherzer. two? Scherzer. Scherzer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just because that's just because of who's hotter, right? Uh, this you're asking me today. I mean, that could change after the weekend. The Grom could shut down Atlanta. Sure, it's a tough game shape. against Oakland, but do you think that's more of a fluke? No, I think he didn't. He, used to, he had trouble with the mound there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grom did, and it was a fluke. yes, it was a fluke, an absolute. Okay, and okay. like I said, the great the great ones know how to bounce back from the fluke. That's why his next start in Atlanta. It's going to be key. Now, they should probably have moved that series to a to a, to a place where they might not have water. Yeah, I mean, they, they how do you not move that issues. series up north a little bit to a neutral field somewhere? Play it in a Triple A stadium, but you got to play the three games in three days. You shouldn't be playing double headers. I'm hearing now that if they're rained out, they're going to play a double header Sunday, and that's not fair to the Mets, really. But no. you know what? It is what it is. The Mets, the Mets didn't blow a lead. The Atlanta just got hot and beat up on all the weak teams where the Mets lost a couple games to the weaker teams. Uh, it happens. But again, you can't knock a team. It's going to, both these teams are going to win a hundred games most likely. Right. So um, the Braves will be formidable for the Dodgers. So the good news is the winner in that, the winner doesn't have to face the Dodgers for the NLCS, whereas the loser of that series, most likely is going to have to go to Los Angeles and then they got to go to Atlanta, you know, have to play in, in the other park. Uh, yes. That's a new playoff five, system. Five. 
I think it's going to be good for baseball, this new playoff system. It's going to be an awesome October. How can you not enjoy, especially up here in the tri-state area with momentum on both the AL and NL. And I guess my last baseball question for you with DeGrom one more time. He is on a walk year right now. Are you bringing back Jacob DeGrom? Are you like these players? I was like, give him everything. Or you're like a Joe Beningo and say, go, go away. No, I'm not Joe Beningo. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and that goes, listen, I, I, I think at the end of the day, I do think that he's, he, uh, judge just to go back to him for a minute, because we're talking about contracts, judge only may stay in New York for less money because he's, a, and then he'll really, he'll really look good in the eyes of Yankee fans. So I, I but I think if he takes the most money offered, it's, he's not going to be a Yankee. As far as the Mets go, same thing with the ground, the same thing with the ground. So is it about the money or is it about staying with your, with your team? Those two guys, it'll be very interesting to see where they play in 2023, Matt. It's out of your control, Matthew, and it's out of my control. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. You know, you can predict, you can think, you could do, but we'll see what happens. At the end of the day, <clears throat> it would be nice if they both stay in New York, but I, I think the odds of them both staying in New York are much worse than, it, than you know, than going somewhere else. I think m- most likely one of them is going to wind up with another team there. That's the big question. Do players care more about their legacy? Or do they care more about uh, having as much well, financially. <laughs> it's it's tough to get to the level that they're at in mm-hmm. life. You know, they're one of the top players in their sport, and um, I don't fault the you know, where we're going with that one is. You know, players got to do what the player needs to do. I mean, so many players don't wind up getting there. They spend a lot of their careers chasing the dream, playing in the minor leagues. I mean, these guys deserve every penny they get. Same thing with football, especially, and same thing with basketball. I mean, the fact that if fans would knock a player for doing what's in their family's best interest is bizarre to me. And I can never understand it. So they have to do what they have to do as a professional. You know, I'll hold nothing against DeGrom. DeGrom, let's see what DeGrom does in this postseason. It's going to be important for him to bounce back next this weekend against Atlanta and then show some show some moxie in the playoffs. But he's a hell of a pitcher, and so is Scherzer, and so is Judge is a hell of a hitter, hell of a player. So um, let's see what these guys come up with. Exactly. We can cross those bridges when we get there, but first there's a whole – October postseason to look forward to. And let's enjoy that first before we worry about who goes. Let's hope it's long for both of those teams, too. Let's hope it doesn't end after one weekend or one series. Let's hope it goes. Tell me about it. Uh, Wouldn't it be great seeing Houston play the Yankees and the Mets play the Dodgers? Oh, it's time to finally break the camel's back when it comes to beating Houston. And, you know, I like Dusty Baker. I do. But yeah, I hate the Astros. I hate their fans. I, it's funny. Growing up, you always say in the Red Sox, but for the rest of my life, you'll have Houston for their cheating scandal and all vice versa. But, you know, you got to give credit to Houston, too. They still win. They get new players like a Kyle Tucker and a Jordan Alvarez to keep them dominant. And you pretty much only have El Tuve Bregman left from those 17, 18, 19 Astros, and they just keep winning. But I really want it to be finally going our favor because it's been seven years losing in 15, 17, 19. And 
it's just, I, I need that Houston Astro team to finally get a taste of their own medicine. <sighs> and um, let's keep going from there. So a few more minutes to go, Russ. I was wondering if you could walk me through UConn football. Now, I know you're a big fan. I'm not following UConn football. as Maybe I did at one point. But, um, you know, some games, you know, had a very tough uh, gimme loss with Michigan and stuff. Um, what's the record for the Huskies in football right now? Well, they're one and three. Okay. They started off going to Utah State. They lost by 12 points. They competed. They were actually up 14 nothing in that game. Utah State was a ranked team last year. Uh, so that was a good effort. Uh, they had their starting quarterback for part of that game, and they had their a lot of their players still healthy for that game, and they, they competed. So that was a good sign for the program for the future. The program was at rock, rock bottom under Randy Etzel, who left, and then Spanos became the uh, – Lou Spanos became the uh, interim head coach, but then they hired Jim Mora, who has a track record of success wherever he goes. So the excellent hire by the athletic director there at UConn. And then in the second game, they beat Central Connecticut. Um, a highlight for in Connecticut was uh, Victor Rosa, the all-Connecticut player. Him and Cam Edwards are on UConn this year from Connecticut. Two of the top kids coming from Connecticut, staying in state. That was a good job by the recruiting there, by the staff at UConn. And anyway, so he scored a touchdown. And then they played Michigan at the Big House. Then they played uh, Virginia Tech. Okay, and they lost both those games pretty easily, convincingly. Uh, they did show, show better life in the Virginia Tech game, but keep in mind they lost their starting quarterback. They lost their top two running backs. So they're using Vic DeRosa as he, he got a lot of action in the Virginia Tech game and scored another touchdown in that game. And now they come back this week. They're home against uh, Fresno State. Jeff Tedford, you may remember him as a college coach. He's back with uh, Fresno State. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting game. You come to 24-point underdog. They're not expected to compete. But um, if you listen to Jim Mora, he's a very positive person. He's he's keeping the guys together. The kids play hard. Um, defense actually played a little bit better against NC State. Uh, I'm sorry, they played NC State, not Virginia Tech. Against NC State. Uh, last week than they did against Michigan. Obviously, it's a little bit of a step down in competition. So the the, the UConn Husky football team is a team that if you're going to look at, watch a program rise up and get to a level that's acceptable for, for the Husky nation, if you will, I think Jim Mora is definitely uh, the right head coach for that. And he will prove that. He is the guy. And he will prove that. Uh, last year, they won one game. This year, they've already won one game. Granted, was against Central, but they do have some games like you know on their schedule that that can that they can win, and um, you know they might be underdogs, but not by a lot. So it'll be interesting, even with the back of QB and the, the, all the injuries they've had, a lot of injuries on offense. Um, you know, I, I still have confidence that they're going to compete and be competitive the rest of the way. They don't have a Michigan anymore, or an, or a an NC State on their schedule, so to speak. So they, they have games, you know, Boston College, UMass, Liberty. You know, they have some games on there that are interesting games at home. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they do. But uh, clearly he's, he's doing things right. I'm guaranteed he's going to recruit like heck, use the transfer portal, get players. And I think I think that'll be an up-and-coming team. How about that? Do you but with the football – with. Yeah, with a football program, it takes a lot more time than just a basketball team, you know, where you get a couple of players. 
you need a lot and you need to change the culture in football harder to do with so many kids and so many athletes. And, you know, from what I understand, my sources tell me at UConn is that it's night and day from what it was under the last regime to this. And that's all you could ask for in your first year. And I think, I think the future's bright. We'd definitely like to hear that. Do you think, let's uh, ask a definite, a uh, broad question. Do you think in five years, they could be a ranked team, whether like 25, 24, 23 with uh you want to make that prediction now? Well, I I will. I will. I'll tell you what I'm going to put caveat to that. Though. I, I think you're right. I think they could be, or you're asking me, I think they could be, but I'm going to say they definitely would be if they align themselves with a football conference. Okay. So it does, you have to align right now they're playing as an independent, so they got to align themselves with a football conference. Once they do that, then they'll have a shot at getting ranked. They'll play better teams over the course of the year. They'll have a schedule. You know, things will be a little bit better for them. They have a schedule made up, but you know what I mean? They're going to be, if they can get themselves into a conference, I think that's going to uh, going to help program long-term. Um, so in five years, do I think they can be ranked? Yeah. Do I think if they didn't have injuries this year, they wouldn't be ranked this year, but do I think it would have helped them in that in the length of progress it's going to take? Yes, they've got a lot of injuries, and these injuries are not – you can't, you know, you can't in control. And, I mean, the line – the offensive line hasn't been bad, actually, and those kids aren't five-star recruits. The offensive line hasn't been bad. So the kid Carter was running like he was a like he was a pro back for the first couple games until he got hurt. I mean, so I think they know what they're doing there. I think the schemes are going to be good. I, th- I like this coaching staff. And I like the head coach, and I like the way they're going to recruit. They took the guy from New Canaan, John Marinelli's on the staff there. He's a tight ends coach. I, th- I think the future's bright for Utah, and I think they could be ranked in five years. I would say yes to that, um, and I think it would help them if they got into a conference, but even if they don't, I still think they have a shot to build something very big and long. People are like, oh, if Jim Moore does turn around, he might go somewhere else in two years. No. He's 61. If you look at his uh, his his makeup, I think he stays 10 years. I think as long as they, you know, he's healthy and they can win some games and he turns it around, does what he's going to do. I think he'll I don't think he'll go anywhere else. All right. And do you know any conferences where UConn could be a good fit? Are they a Big Ten school? No, I can in there. But (laughs) Um, no, they're not going to be. No. I don't have the answer for you on that. Um, maybe the ACC is what the, the rumors are that they're looking at okay. joining up just football, but they might have to include all the sport. And that would be a conference. I think that would align with natural rivalry, such as UConn Syracuse, um, UConn Boston college. So that would be my guess. All right. You see, Oh, I'd like to see them stay in the Big East for basketball. The Big East tournament, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like those. All right. There's one more topic, Mr. Miller, <laughs> Ramblin' Russ Miller, and uh, we'll wrap it up here. But only because we have this connection. We look big radio guys, and obviously WFAN is a real staple. I've references on my wall listen all the time you like what's going on with the fan right now with uh you know their lineup run by uh that guy spike and um 
Spike Eskin era WFAN. You like the them and you like well, obviously we and stuff. You know, I'm old school. I mean, I grew up listening to Mike and the Mad Dog. I've done this show frequently. <laughs> so I mean, that, those were the two guys that started that whole thing. And then, of course, you know, I think I think Boomer is is a good listen in the morning. Um, uh, Tiki and Tierney aren't bad. In fact, you know, I've kind of grown to like Tiki with his analysis. He's been pretty good. Um, even though he wasn't the best teammate, he was certainly an underrated running back when he played with the Giants, one of their best running backs of all time. And that his numbers Absolutely. back that up. But but yeah. So and then you have Carton and Roberts at two o'clock. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing a plug for WFAN here, Matt, but <laughs> you know, I think I think Roberts was was uh, you know, Carton's a Carton's a maniac, but you know, it's it's you know, it's still listened to. And Pete, the reason they get the ratings is they, they're the clear channel voice. If you know what I mean, they're they're, oh, yeah. they're You could hear them in, you could hear them in parts North from here, you know, North of Connecticut, way North. And then you could hear them down South as far as Philadelphia. Like they're, they're all the, the reason they're so successful and they get the ratings. A lot of people can hear them, but 660 goes a lot of, a lot of bandwidth. If you know what I mean, they have a lot of, Oh yeah. So, you know, they're going to be naturally good. Um, but it's not like the old days where after a giant game, you, you turn on Mike and hear Mike and Mad Dog talk about the game and mm-hmm. critique coaching and, and that. I don't think these guys are as knowledgeable on certain sports as some of the other folks were. Uh, so, Interesting. Uh, that's my take on that. But it's always entertaining. The guy at night, um, Keith McPherson's a character. I mean, he's not – He's just a fan who's talking. He he won't last long tonight. Yeah, I've um, heard people say that before. Um, but you know, uh, I, he's I acting guess. like he won the World Series when the Yankees beat the Mets two games. Yeah, and then that, that was a bad take you know. when he said that the game when Salicata um, held him accountable about the that they were exhibition games. That was a very bad hit, right? There. When the Mets beat the Yankees, but yeah. they were real games when the Yankees beat the Mets. I mean, he's all right. I mean, that's just Mike, Mike Francesa had a lot of connections in, in different areas. And um, I think the fan misses that from a football, especially on the football side. Although Mark Malusis is very good. Uh, Kim Jones on Sunday, they're, they're pretty, they run a nice show. Oh yes. uh, Sunday mornings. And, you know, then they have Rick Wolf talking about youth sports. It's an interesting show though. Rick is definitely, definitely biased for certain things um, in general. You know, he bashes Little League at every point. You know, just certain things about the, the programming there. But, you know, hey, it's, it's, uh, you want to get a score. You want to get, you want to hear yourself. You probably could call in now and get right through. I mean, that's, that says mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, where, where it is now. Unless you're calling in the mid afternoon, you know, with evident, probably could get right through all later at night or, early morning but. yeah that's one thing i want to start trying to becoming a caller myself i've tried a couple of times i just didn't want to wait that long and um we'll see what matt from norwalk can uh give his we'd love to hear you matt you could even take you could go back and tape your call after you oh, get yeah. on you could go back on the thing replay have your phone tape it and send it out to people and you know it's it's good stuff you you'd, you'd be Honestly, a good caller yeah, for sure just- yeah, you should maybe get to be, you should become a host. You should send your resume in and get to be a host. You know, look to be oh, a host. We're developing a tape, Russ. We're developing a tape. Um, you know, never awesome. say never to that. 
And if you I'm do ready get a for show, I, I will. I want to be the first caller in. So let me know. Please get do. Russ be the Re- first caller. Would you be rambling, Russ? You'll just be rambling. Just call Russ. me Rambling Russ. I'll, I'll take you know, it. I've been, I've been having a. I've been having a dialogue with Mike Lupica. You may remember him. He's a sports oh, yeah. reporter, sports journalist. I've read his books. I've told when him I was to stick. I've told him to stick with sports journalism and not mm-hmm. get into the political scene. Yeah, like uh, what Sid Rosenberg's doing now at WABC. Sid Rosenberg's doing politics then. I've heard of a couple of times on that. Yeah, WABC in the morning. And one thing I learned, if you're talking about people who transition from sports to politics, I didn't know Keith Olbermann was a sports editor reporter. Now he's at MSNBC. Isn't it funny? Yeah, Keith Olbermann. Isn't it funny where people go? Yeah, Lupica's got his opinions. Uh, I didn't always agree with him on sports. I have lately, but as far as his politics go, we're on opposite sides of the spectrum. Um, And... um, you know, he lives in New Canaan. Oh, okay. And I'm also keeping up with Bad Dog, and then I have my sports podcast too. I'm I'm always listening to something, anything to that's nice. Get, get my uh, knowledge in, practice as a host, and um, I just love all perspectives on both the big four. I call sports entertainment, news, and culture. And uh, as we continue nice. to keep doing this with that, well, keep up the good work, Matt. Doing a great job, and appreciate how you having me on today. Absolutely, Russ. Let's have you on again really soon, especially if you want to maybe one day become a handicapper on this show. Uh, we uh, will take it. We'll have your picks this week and see how you do. And um, so let's let's go back for a second recap. We have Miami. We have the Dolphins. Yeah, the, the Dolphins. Patriots. Patriots. Jacksonville. Patriots. Right. Yep. And then at Sunday night, you have the uh, who's the road team Sunday night? Two road teams. The- K- okay. uh, Kansas City Kansas. going to Tampa this Sunday night. And then Monday night, we have the... Uh, we have the Rams and 49ers. Rams beating the Niners on the road. All right. We'll All right. take it. Russ, Thanks pleasure as always. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's good to, good to be with you again. Uh, Looking it. forward to it, Russ. Till next time. Let's have a good October, and um, we'll have you back on really soon. And uh, like, we'll uh, continue to grow this brand with you. Sounds like a plan. Thank you very much, Matt. Be well. All the My best. My pleasure. See you later, Russ. That was Ramblin' Russ Miller, everybody. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComoPod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. And check out our work throughout Facebook and YouTube Shorts as well. Again, shouts to Alexander DeJesus for making it all possible. All right. Let me end the show on a high note. And let me talk about two people I'm absolutely in awe of. Two people I really, really admire. And two people who are very inspirational what they do. It's Ryan Page and Melissa Wilkerson. First, let me talk about my oldest friend in this world, Ryan Page. Oh, man. Uh, I got so many things to say about Ryan, not only today, but for the rest of my life. Ryan Page, 
I met you in the fall of 2000, 22 years ago, Miss Valenjic's class. You know, I really don't remember. I mean, I, I remember some days being in that, but you know, 2000 was 22 years ago. Before, you know, I met Ryan before my youngest brother, Tommy. And we became friends quickly. We grew up together from Cranberry to West Rocks to Norwalk High School through college and beyond. And we're obviously still close to this day. I literally talk to you every single day for probably what? When, since we got our first phones in, two, in 2006, I've literally texted Ryan almost every day for what? The past, uh, what's the math? 16 years? So there you go. Um, we've been friends through this intense time in this country, friends, friends through 9-11, through the financial crisis in 07, 08, um, Katrina, uh, all that, you know, couple presidents uh, and all this stuff, right? I've gotten to know your family well. Even though one of your cousins unfollowed me because I post too much, but we'll, we'll let that go. But I've known your your awesome family on both sides for a long time. Um, we went to we went we've been to Disney World together. We we've, we've been to Cape Cod together. TV tapings, sporting events, WWE. I mean, I actually care about wrestling now because of you. Oh man, I gave up on it, but you lured me in. You lured me in when uh, we talked about The Undertaker losing a WrestleMania, and now that's another hobby of mine. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, and um, yeah, you've been my one constant friend throughout you know, my, my, my whole life, pretty much. As all of us, we've had friends come and go. We've had friends really break our hearts. We've had friends really disappoint us. But no, not me and you, Ryan. I We've been friends. I don't think there's been one major fight that you and I have had. I mean, of course, we've had our disagreements. We've had our arguments like any other person. But yet we were still friends the whole time. I mean, I, th I feel like your home on Stonecrop was a second home to me. And your family's been uh, so kind to me throughout the years and, and still have still am and still have i mean we went to our first i mean i don't know about you but i went to my first concert with you there seeing bon jovi at madison square garden in the spring of 2011 and you were right next to me for that so yeah we've we've gone through a lot my friend and now as the time of this recording tomorrow october 1st i will be at your wedding i'm gonna see you get married to one of the best girls i've ever met myself Melissa and the kind words I have to say to you, what a what a stand up, awesome, sophisticated human being. And the fact that you two come together in true holy matrimony in a time with perfect harmony. And especially when people our age come and go in relationships and through dating apps and and people being terrible partners, some people being awesome partners, of course. But you two are the epitome of what an incredible relationship is, especially in this intense world we live in. And I just wanted to say 
congratulations to you both. Thank you for helping me when I needed help. And it's been well documented on the show by me. It has not been a easy couple of years for me with my career, with all the other stuff I deal with like anybody else. And, um, and especially how tough it's been financially. This one podcast has been the, the thing that's kept me going and not give up on this life. And I want to thank you, Ryan, for, for reminding me of that and, and the good blessings I do have to keep going forward. And I, there were really times I didn't think I could make your wedding because of the cost, but the fact that you've helped me on your big day to get there I, I mean, words can't describe it. You should be focusing on this. You shouldn't be worrying about me. And I'm sorry for for my shortcomings to 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 have this to to need your help on your own wedding day. But the fact that you have been helping me figure this out, I mean, I, I I'm forever indebted to you, Ryan. Especially all the times I felt low and really low. And you're the one guy next to my family who's been there for me, willing to talk to me and. And help me through whatever I've needed help through. I, I only hope I can give the same for for the rest of my life. And, you know, after this wedding, you're going to go live in Virginia with your amazing soon-to-be wife. I'm going to be in Jersey City, New York City, in Connecticut, bouncing all over the place. And I don't know when I'll be seeing you again in person. I know for a fact you and I will continue to make content forever. But I just wanted to say to you and say to Melissa, thank you for having me be a part of your special day. Thank you for being um, some of the best friends a, a guy can ask for. And um, I can't wait to see what, what you two pull off for the rest of your lives. And I only hope that I'm a part of it one way or the other. So God bless the both of you. We have some amazing times ahead. And even in times of struggle and obstacles, we're going to get through it together. And I know you two are going to really prove in our special generation that millennial Gen Z stuff through all the distractions, through all the dating apps, through all the controversy, through all the emotions that you two will show what true love is. And it's as inspiring as it gets. So... I love you both. God bless you. And um, can't wait to see what the future brings. It's going to be a bright one. All right, everybody. Enough of that emotional stuff. We can save that for other shows. But um, back to business. We are here on Monday, October 3rd. We have the Savage and William Hessert returning to the show. The controversial, opinionated, and strong-winded guy I know. He's coming back on the show with me to get really, really, really hard-hitting and then some. Will Hessert will be back on Monday. And of course, we will return on Wednesday to talk all things NFL as we reflect on week four and look ahead to week five with Brian and Alex. More shows ahead after that, including a huge, huge postseason in Major League Baseball. The Yankees and Mets are going to be there, and we got you covered throughout all of October. 
I don't know about you guys, but I think it's going to be a really special postseason. And we are going to be there every step of the way with our productive MLB crew. Plus, October is going to feature more productive conversations with people from the fashion world. We got some musicians coming up. We got some more talented and awesome people to listen to. We have an awesome month of content coming your way. And again, don't forget to check us out on the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube and soak it all in, especially check us out on our social media platforms. But with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. I will see you on Monday and let's enjoy each other's company until then. Don't forget to check on your friends and family and I'll see you very, very soon. Peace. All she needed was some.